Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast with your host, Charles. Enjoy. What is up, everybody, and welcome to episode 76 of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, it's your host, Charles, and today we've got a great one for you. We have Salsa Tequila. You guys probably know him from Twitter. He's a young trader, trades with some decent size, and today I'm having him on to talk about his trading strategies. Uh, he's a young dude, like I was saying, uh, and I think this episode will be super helpful for the younger traders out there uh, because we really get into the mindset of trading with size as well as his strategies, both short and long term. But before we get into the episode, I do just want to give a quick shout out to both of my sponsors, the first being RoundlyX. I've been talking about these guys for a while now. They're wonderful. I've been using them for about a month. You can link your credit and debit cards, and every time that you make a purchase, they will round that purchase up to the next dollar, and your spare change gets invested into Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies that you choose. It's kind of like the acorns of crypto, if you know what acorns is. There will be a link in the description below. If you haven't signed up, I highly encourage you guys to do it. It is the easiest way to dollar cost average into cryptocurrencies. It's very stress-free and hands-off. Perfect tool to add to your arsenal. And the second one that I would like to shout out is CoinFlex. They are the first physically delivered crypto exchange. And they've got some really cool products that they're rolling out. Uh, the first being that they have potentially the lowest, if not the lowest fees in the market, depending on how much flex you own. Uh, and then another thing is they've got these bracket orders uh, and they're rolling out these bracket order competitions. And how the bracket orders work is you enter the trade uh, and then their algo automatically sets your take profit and your stop loss. And you can predetermine those amounts so it allows you to take a very large number of trades in a very short amount of time. Uh, and so they're doing these competitions. They're going to be giving away $10,000 a day. And to join, all you need is $888 in your account. And the person who trades the most volume, I think it's the top 20 from the last competition that I saw, will take home some cash. So if you haven't signed up for their exchange, but you want to and you want to enter these bracket order competitions, there's a link below. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. I highly encourage you guys to go get set up. Uh, now let's get to the show. So, Jewel, before we get started, I just want to say thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate when traders come on. I know a lot of them are very secretive about their trading strategies and stuff like that. So I want to say thank you. Uh, and before we jump into your actual strategy, can you just give us a little background on who you are uh, and what you were doing before you started trading cryptocurrencies? Yeah, so basically, before I discovered crypto, I was doing some gambling online through certain video games, which basically, there were, there were game currencies tied, tied to a real dollar value in real life, and I would be able to gain an advantage within the game and sell the vir virtual goods uh, for PayPal, right? So I would make money like that. And I, you know, I was, I was back then I was in high school and that's basically how all my money through third, through the last years of high school came from. 
And at some point, PayPal locked my account. Um, they didn't like my business model. It was, I think it was in 2014. They basically blocked me from doing transactions on PayPal. So what happened is I tried to appeal. They rejected me multiple times. I got really pissed off and I, I, I started looking for alternatives. And that's where the whole Bitcoin thing, uh, that's where I discovered it. So that's how I came into Bitcoin and more broadly crypto uh, in the years after, especially like I was really lucky in the timing. I was like actively transacting Bitcoin uh, between 2015 to 2017. So I had, a, I had a great head start. Like when the bull run kicked in, I had some small exposure. Although I did not see Bitcoin as an investment back then, but just as a useful tool to transact on the internet. So that's pretty much my background. Before I, I went into, into trading, I was uh, just a student gambling online, basically. Uh, I did that for a long time. And I started when I was like fucking 12 years old. It's, it's plus EV gambling on MMOs. I'm not going to go in details because I don't want to get into trouble. I'm not sure it was <laughs> like, I'm not sure it was legit with the, with, with the video games I used, right? Like you could get your accounts banned or some trouble in game. I don't think it was illegal, but again, basically against their rules. And clearly, you know, I was, yeah, like I was clearly not 18 years old yet. So, and on top of that, PayPal clearly wasn't okay with it. So very, yeah. very gray area. Uh, but you're you're a pretty young dude, right? Yeah, I'm 21 currently. There we go. Okay, so you're you're an inspiration to a lot of people on I'd say crypto Twitter. I feel like it's a much younger crowd, uh, and yeah. they they see trading as a very alluring and lucrative job. Uh, so can you just talk to us about you know your trading strategy? Can you just give us like a high level overview of what it is, what time frames you're trading, that kind of thing? Yeah, so I have two strategies currently. Um, one is the one I do, and I share a lot of those on buy on um, on Twitter. It's the Bybit scalping account I've been running for like eight eight to nine months now. So this is a very low time frame approach where I just try to scalp moves, and I take multiple trades every day, and just try to go for whenever I see an opportunity, when I see profit to be made, whether it's on the long side or on the short side, I'll take it. And I'll ride the trade until I, I until I believe the expectancy is uh, not good anymore. So whenever whenever I enter a trade, basically what I do is I I have a stop loss, I have a target. But if you look through my Twitter, uh, my targets very rarely hit because I know I have an edge on the entry, but my target is basically oftentimes the first hourly cluster of support or resistance, which I believe price will react at. So whenever I enter a trade, you know, sometimes uh, I have say a two to one risk reward, but if the price starts going my way and I feel like there's decent chance that it calls the top or the bottom of the, of the move or the move gets exhausted, I'll close my trade really fast. So I'm very versatile for that. It's just, uh, you know, I, I take multiple trades a day. I don't really stick oftentimes to entry target stop loss. I'm more of a, you know, where do I think it's good to still keep riding this trade? If I think, if I think the trade is not, is not profitable anymore, I close it, especially if, uh, well, it doesn't matter if it's my way or against me. Right. So that's the way I trade a lot. Um, 
As for the strategy in particular, I use a lot of concept. Uh, I was strong on price action between 2017, 2018. That was basically all I used. And I was profitable some part of 2018 with price action alone. Uh, more, more importantly, patterns combined with certain volume, you know, support resistance, all that kind of stuff you see all around on Twitter, depending how you use it and how picky you are, there is profit to be made. Um, but I also use uh, indicators, statistics, uh, certain matrix, which I can't necessarily disclose everything because I, I work for a firm and I can't disclose the stuff I use there because that would be basically breaching my agreement with them. But I use also, well, something I, something I use uh, that is not indicators nor statistics is open interest, uh, Twitter. So on-chain metrics like whale alert, when you see tether prints, when you see news, you know, Donald Trump tweeting, iron stuff. I want to be up to date. I want to have a news feed that's fast. So, you know, that's something I can use in certain circumstances, like the war with iron we had. Well, basically, you know, Trump tweeting on Twitter and spectator index saying like, a, yeah, a missile, missile was launched um, against Iran. Like, these are things that are not necessarily supposed to make price move, but people tend to speculate on them. So that's something I also add to my trading uh, because, because price moves when it happens. So that was the first strategy, that scalping strategy. Do you have a lot more of a long-term strategy as well? Yeah, I do swing trading. But the thing is, I'm, I've been profitable swing trading for the past like six months since I, I do it on two separate accounts. So I have my account for scalping, low time frames, and my account for swing trading. The thing is, in the past like six months, swing trading in particular... I maybe had like 24 trades and in the same time period for scalping, I had maybe a thousand trades. So to evaluate performance and whether, whether I can be consistently profitable doing so, obviously I'm going to be way more consistent scalping. And I believe I'm a good uh, scalper in this market. I know the market. I know I've got the edge and I'm always working on it. So I believe that I've got, I've got enough reasons to be like, to know I'm a good scalper, but swing trading 24 trade, which could be heavily tightened to lock. I'm not sure. Um, so I do swing trade. Uh, it's mostly, it's mostly um, high time frame analysis on the weekly, monthly, daily. So like I'll, I'll use uh, daily for entries, maybe zoom in a bit if you try to get more precise and try to let run those trades. But I've taken maybe 24 swing trades in the past six months. So yes, I do trade small time frame, high time frames, but I focus a lot more on low time frames because that's where the consistency is at. So you, you found what kind of works for you. You do both. How do you do both at the same time because every trader that i've talked to is yeah either, i struggled with that yeah everyone's either i i trade the five minute or i trade the four hour i don't do both how are you yeah. able to kind of okay do both to give you an you, you need to really clear your mind and use two different accounts i know some people will say it's a misuse of margin 
say I, I, I use two different Bybit accounts for the same product, the same Bitcoin perpetual swap. And on the one account, I'm short for a swing position from like eight to 50. And from the other, I just long and short. Like some people will say it's a misuse of margin, but from my experience, it's the only way I will have strong hands because there is no way, not the not not slightest chance in the world when I take like fucking seven scalp trades bidirectional per day that I stick, like I keep, I don't mess it up and just close my swing trade if it's on the same derivatives. It's just too much to process. So I need two different separate accounts and I need to know mentally that it's two completely different strategies and one is not going to make me act on the other. Um, to give you an example of, on that, when there was uh, Trump speaking publicly, I think it was Wednesday, I was listening and at some point uh, he said, at some point I entered a short and I knew already, like I was zooming, I was zoomed out. I had a short running from a bit higher and I closed it and I said, okay, I'm going to listen to what Trump has to say. And if I see the market start to react, if I see him say stuff that could lead me to a position, I'll reopen my swing trade. But for now, I'll just wait and listen. So at that time, I had opened a short position from eight to $60 and I had opened a scalp short as well on a different account. Uh, to give you an idea, I've been holding that position from eight to eight to sixty dollars short from Wednesday all the way to now. So it went from like eight to sixty to like seven eight, back to eight to sixty. And I would never let the market reverse on me like that on scalping. So this is this is something that mentally you need to work on, and you need to be aware of your strength and weakness, and not to let one strategy influence the other. So two different accounts is extremely required. That's the first step, in my opinion. Otherwise, it's going to be a mental mess. Yeah, you know, you kind of do give up a little bit of margin there, like you were saying. But the fact that you're able to completely separate them, I think, outweighs yep. that because you can yeah. keep your short open. Because, yeah, I think that's the... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'm speaking for myself when I say that. Like, I know there is no way I'm going to take like seven scalps a day and hold a single swing trade yeah. on the same account with my piano fluctuating. Right. Like, I was, it doesn't work. I was going to say to hold from eight to six down to seven, eight, and then back up to eight, two. Um, if, yeah. if I was looking at, you know, if I was taking seven trades a day and had that other position open, I would 100% want to close it in that time period. Yep. So this separation of accounts, I think, is super helpful. Um, but circling back, cause it sounds like you take a lot more trades, you know, very short term scalps. Uh, and there was one thing that I did want to touch on there. If we can talk about it a little bit more, uh, which was the fact that, you know, a lot of the time your targets aren't hit and what you're actually doing is trying to look for some exhaustion in the direction. So can you talk about a couple of the things that you're looking for that kind of key you into the fact that a trend is kind of starting to exhaust? Yeah, so I've got a bunch of metrics that I use. Um, one of them, which I can disclose, is volume and price, right? So just from looking at volume and price, if you see the market go vertical, like it's not a slow bleed. You know, you got, you got first of all, if you look at price action alone, you have slow bleeds, which typically lead to expansion, and you have the expansion when the market goes vertical. So if I have, say, a two-to-one risk-reward trade, 
and I target a cluster of support or resistance on hourly time frame, and I'm I'm micromanaging it from like ten minutes, five five to fifteen minutes. That's that's typically what works best for me. Um, if I see price go from my entry to my target, and instead of slow grinding, it goes vertical, and I'm plus one R in profit. I will typically close my position because it went vertical into a place where I believe my expectancy has flipped negative. So it's unprofitable to hold my position because unrealized PNL ultimately is still profit and locking it is the right move. That's what comes through my head. So you got to think it in terms of, in terms of expectancy, right? Because if you close a trade for plus one R, when you are when you were aiming for plus two R, just to give you an arbitrary example. When the trade goes your way and you're plus one R, instead of being a two to one risk reward trade, you're you're risking two to win one. So if the price went vertical, and I which typically means it's most likely exhausted, versus if the price slow grind towards my target. It could be a good idea to close it because if the price reverses on me, I lose two R. So I'm basically making two times my risk from closing it before my stop loss hit if the trade happened to be wrong. So that's a lot of, I mean, that's that may sound a bit odd to most people, but you know, whenever I scalp, I don't use like, as I said, I use I take multiple trades per day. So. Whenever I enter a position, I don't know exactly all the time the probability of my target to be hit. Like I just enter because I know it's good odds from experience, from my metrics, from statistics. I know it's good odds. It's more it's likely to call the local top. And I target the first support that makes sense. I don't necessarily know how odd it is to hit that support. So whenever I see exhaustion and my risk reward is scuffed, and the market gets more likely to reverse on low time frame, I just close. And that, that has been working splendidly for me the past months. So that's how I mostly proceed. Um, for exhaustion itself, I can disclose that, you know, as I said, price going vertical, high volume, um, certain metrics. You can look at the open interest that can help. Um, yeah, that's, I use, I use also, you know, support resistance, but Aside from that, I like I can't disclose everything. <laughs> it's hard, man. I I I, but, I hate having traders on because I want to just poke and prod at them and be like, I want a little bit more for my audience. But I totally yeah, understand. Yeah. And but and, I mean, just just from what I said, it's it's the bulk of my strategy. There we like, go. Yeah, that's the bulk of it. And you mix experience and you mix all those edges together. And whenever whenever the trade expectancy goes against you, you close. That's how I proceed. So just to give you like. Just knowing that a slow grind is more sustainable and more likely to lead to a spike towards your target. Like if the price slow grinds toward my target, I'm not front running my target. If the price goes vertical into my target, that's where I look to close if the expectancy of the trade goes bad. That's just from a rule of thumb. That alone will 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 be a very good tip. There, yeah, no, that that is wonderful. So so for example, when you set your targets on your initial trade, um, if it's just slow grinding towards it, you're most likely not going to close early. Yeah, exactly. If like you, if, if sorry, go ahead. 
yeah, like if it looks like it will keep going and I know it's likely to keep going, I'll hold it. And worst case, like if I, if I feel like my risk reward gets cuffed, I'll trail my stop loss because I know it's more likely to keep going. But yeah, as I said, if it goes vertical, that's another story. There, Yeah, there we go. And I, I think that is a great tip for the traders out there, the scalpers out there. And I, we talked about it already. The fact that, you know, you can't disclose everything. Uh, you don't want to disclose everything. So you don't want to give away, you know, all of yeah, your trading not... secrets. Um, so really quick question. You, you mentioned uh, the fact that you work for a firm. I thought you were doing trading full time on your own. Um, yeah, well, it's it's a it's a proprietary trading firm. There we go. But everything I post on Twitter is my personal accounts. I will never disclose anything from the firm because that's not mine to do. Yeah, and of course. I don't want to leak anything. Like, I got to be very careful with that. So yeah, I work for a proprietary trading firm, but all the trading I post on Twitter and you know the screenshots from Bybit, that's my personal trading accounts. I'm allowed to trade my own accounts as well. There we so, go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so quick question, I guess, I, I feel like all of Twitter wants to know this, uh, cause you post positions, you know, 150,000 contracts, 300,000 contracts, you're 21 years of age. Uh, what kind of mental taxes, you know, like, are you taking with this amount of money at your age? How do you kind of overcome that? Uh, cause I know a lot of the Twitter crowd is a little bit younger <laughs> Uh, I don't know that yeah. a lot of them are trading this size, uh, but the goal for them should be to eventually work their way up to this kind of size. Uh, so do you have any tips for them on kind of just, you know, disconnecting from trades of that size? With... Trade a size you can sleep on. There we go. I can sleep on the size I post, but to give you a bit of background, you know, in 2017 to 2018, I was like extremely degenerate. Like the people who know me, for example, just ask, uh, you know, Donald on Twitter, I was speaking to him a lot. I was in discords with those guys and I was a, like a degenerate. I would, I would trade so huge size, too big. And I was all, always anxious and seeking that trail, that, that adrenaline of like huge positions. And I got wrecked so many fucking times, like actual mental breakdown wrecks that it doesn't really bother me because I know that if I trade those size at my current, at the place where I'm at, like, I'm not, I'm not going to get wrecked. Uh, I know how to manage it. I'm not going to get paralysis. I'm not going to mismanage. It's a size I'm comfortable with and I can sleep on. But in the past, man, the learning expense to build into that mental comfort, it was excru excruciating at times, man. Like, I like, it was tough at some point. I got wrecked a lot of times <laughs> in 2018, particularly because we were in a bear market. And when I was getting wrecked, I would, like it would hurt 10 times more. In 2017, I got liquidated maybe 100 times. Probably more, actually. Like, no, probably about 100 times. Because <laughs> the thing is, in 2017, we were in a bull run. Altcoins would go parabolic. I wouldn't make a lot of money from altcoins alone. So whatever I deposited to play with 100x on BitMEX, which is, by the way, I, I discovered BitMEX in 2017. So it was probably the worst timing yeah. to discover. <laughs> yeah. So Absolutely worst terrible. timing. Yeah. Yeah. So I got wrecked so many times, 2017. But 2017, it didn't hurt. It started really hurting when I wasn't making money and getting wrecked in 2018. And that's where I discovered the whole 
risk management thing and I started building my way with good risk management. You know, I had some good trading ideas often, but I was just too degenerate. Like I would risk everything in a single trade and lose sometimes. So that's pretty much why I guess a, a big reason of why I'm comfortable now. And if I could give one tip to the people who want to, you know, approach size is no matter if it's one contract, like if it's hundred contracts, a thousand, 10,000, a hundred thousand, just take a size. You would be comfortable enough holding while you sleep. Yeah. I, I feel like we, before we hopped on, uh, we were just talking about our sleep schedules because I had been up all night working on podcast shit. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I've finally, you know, gotten to a point where you can sleep at night uh, and leave, you know, your positions open. So I, I feel like you are definitely comfortable with the size. I know people look at your size and they're like, I don't know how you could sleep with that open. Uh, but yeah. it's just prior experience, the fact that you've yeah. kind of paid your dues. I feel like every trader. Now, there's also there's also a financial cousin. A big part of that edge that gives me the comfort to trade that is that I sold enough Bitcoin to be like to be okay financially in real life if it all goes to zero. So I'm trading with profits, if you will. Um, you know, if crypto, if the whole scene goes to shit, uh, a vulnerability is discovered in Bitcoin and everything tanks to zero. I got I got a I got a cousin financially to keep me alive for at least a couple of years so I can do whatever, go back to university, trade, learn to trade other markets, etc. And just that mental, that, that financial stability to, that keeps you from trading, like, I don't need to make money trading to survive. And that's a very vital part, because if you need to make money trading, um, you'll be tempted into all kinds of trades, you'll be tempted to mismanage, and you'll be tempted to trade too big size oftentimes and be very stressed out about what you're doing because you're over-risking because you need to make that money to live. And I think that's a big part of my edge as well, being comfortable with somewhat a cousin. I feel like the people who are the most successful are the ones who, you know, they do it to make money, but they don't need to do it to make money. Um, yeah, obviously. And, uh, you know, from, from my experience, at least that's what I've found. Um, so you, you talked about the fact that if everything goes to shit and if everything goes to zero, you'll be all right. Uh, but do you really feel that way? I like to, you know, ask all of my guests, what are they most excited for in the coming 12 months? Uh, what, what are your outlooks on the market? And then also, do you have anything big in your pipeline in the coming year? Uh, I don't like to do macro predictions Okay. right now. Right now. I'm, I mean, if I look at Bitcoin macro, my outlook is that we, we are either topping or at the beginning of a bull trend. And I'm betting that we're topping right now. Yeah, you Just said, because you, you said you had your short open still, right? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not betting we're topping, but I'm staying protected in the case we're topping yeah. because I don't want to get euphoric. Like when the risk reward to be bearish is great, but whether I'm bullish or bearish for like the rest of January, I couldn't tell. I do know that we have the halvening, the halving. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Everyone <laughs> always needs to know, is it the halvening or yeah, the halving? So, <laughs> the halvening. Let's yeah, call it the there halving, we go. Right? Big, so, yeah, big we argument got that on coming. Twitter. Yeah, I think we got, we got a lot of bullish narratives for the next 
couple months. Hopefully it pumps. I really like bull markets. Like you make, I make so much more money in bull markets typically because that's just how it is. People like new money comes in and it's, it's fun. Nobody's salty. I really would love that. But I think now is the time, like at 8.2K now is the time to be careful. If we reclaim that on higher timeframes, then I'll be inclined to bet on the bull market. There we go. What about for yourself? Anything in your personal life uh, that you're excited for in the coming 12 months? Normally, you know, the reason I ask this question is because normally I'll have on entrepreneurs and they're like, oh yeah, yeah. my business has this in the pipeline or, you know, traders talk about educational mm -hmm. courses that they're doing. Do you have anything like that? No, I don't have any paid content, but what I'm excited for in the coming year is mostly learning to gather my own statistics effectively because all the stats I do for myself when I do, I do it like manually. You know, I, I plot the data on the chart, I look at it manually, but sometimes I feel it would be tremendously easier if I had access to good software and if I was able to code so I'm for one learning to code and oh, for two hashtag learn to code. Yeah, I, I I truly believe it's something I like if I have free times, it's something that's going to be worth my time. And I'm also looking into platforms that help that would possibly help me uh, gather those statistics, whether I know how to code or not. Sounds like some sort of sponsorship in the works there. I could be wrong, but yeah. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to take sponsors in that. No, at least not until I know it works. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was looking into that platform called Build Alpha, but I'm not sponsored by them. I actually paid for the software, and I'm going to test it. There we go. Uh, if it works, great. And you know, basically, my whole my whole year, the projects I have are trading related. I want to be a trader. I want to get better. I want to work on my edge yeah I, I feel like that's always an issue I, I don't want to say issue but always a goal of traders is to improve find better strategies and i feel like it's ever yeah. evolving uh so not, that not, necess not necessarily all like new strategies but always work on you know keeping that edge and perfectioning it because somebody's always going to do it if you're not right right yeah yeah Alpha decay is a very real thing. So if you're not constantly improving or looking to kind of better yourself, someone else is going to do it. Um, yep. And I feel like you're here. It's 2020. You're still trading crypto. So you're one of the <laughs> few who has perf not perfected, but continued to improve and continued to gain that edge. Uh, so I, I really do appreciate you coming on. Uh, one last thing before we go, um, you know, Making that move to trading um, and trading, you know, almost at a full time level because you trade for a prop firm and it yourself. Is. So, like, yeah, I trade, I trade all the time. Yeah, it, it's full. Yeah, it's full time. I, I didn't want to say, you know, like a quote unquote full time yeah. trader because it's not solely for yourself. You do trade for a prop firm. Uh, but what are some tips? What's your biggest tip for anyone who's been in the market for a while but wants to make that change to go full time? Yeah. So first of all, financial stability, that's the biggest one. Yeah. Right? I was going to say, you, you kind of already mentioned the fact that because you're financially stable, you, need, you can you need, do you it. You need not to depend on trading. Right? Yeah. Because if it goes, most, most people will fail in this industry, I believe, like 90% of people, 95%, something like that. Um, that's what I read. That's what 
you know, my boss said, my boss told, told us when we begun, you know, yes, even if you're in the prop firm or, what, or whatever you have, you have an edge over those other people because you have access to great mentors, but there's no guarantee ever, right? It's a, it's a tough business and you need to, you need to, you need to make it um, for yourself. Like you, you need, you need to make it work and there's never a guarantee. So financial stability is something I would advise the biggest point basically. There we go. So don't, don't make that move to full-time trading until you're a little bit more financially stable. I've never done, you know, full-time trading as my job, so I can't really speak on the topic. Uh, you are well equipped. I, I don't think that, you know, that's necessarily true for everybody. I feel like there are people who thrive under pressure. Uh, they yeah. love making their living from trading. Uh, and so I, I don't want to say it's, you know, everyone needs to be this way. But I think for the most part, if you are financially stable before you will be more successful. It'll be a little bit less stressful. Um, a lot less risky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there will be a lot less risk, exactly. Um, so, hey, man, I, I really appreciate it. You gave us kind of your background, what you do, a little bit on your trading strategy, and you, you ended with some tips. Is there anything else that you want my audience to know before we go? Um, that's that's pretty much it, man. Thank you for having me. Like, I... I was it's been a while since I've been on the on some kind of podcast so thanks for the invite man dude um, I, I I I'll really make sure to try and yeah I listened to that episode to, I think the last one was with Quan Fiction I listened to that and you know looking forward to your next podcast man I was actually gonna say when you were talking about figuring out ways to kind of learn to code get that data yourself I was gonna mention some of those pdf guys because that's very much up <laughs> yeah. their alley so I feel like you could get in contact with them and they could help you with some stuff. Um, oh, one no, last no. thing actually that I do, I've been trying to ask all of my guests this. Um, do you have any books or resources that my audience can check out? I don't have trading books. Okay. Actually, actually, I never read the trading book in my life. <laughs> um, and, you know, someone asked my boss at like at the firm I work at and his answer was basically, if you want the best return for your time and money investment, it's not trading books you want to buy. It's actually you want to learn how to code. There we so go. So that's that's what I'm literally doing. I'm trying to learn how to code, how to you know gather my own stats, and maybe eventually build algorithms. Who knows? But resources about trading itself, I do have a section in my Discord, which is free. As I mentioned, I don't have any paid content, so I posted a bunch of stuff uh, from a while back, and that stuff is still relevant to the way I trade, and I believe a great place to start. Perfect. We will have links to your Twitter and your discord in the description. So for anyone who's listening right now, check out those links below. Um, and again, man, I really appreciate you taking the time. I had, I had a blast today. Yeah, me too, man. Thanks for having me and have a great success with your, your podcast and entrepreneurship. Much appreciated, man. All right. That wraps up another episode. Thanks for tuning in guys. I just want to take a quick second to remind you to leave us a review and subscribe to the show. We would greatly appreciate it if you did. And we look forward to seeing you next episode.